Jonah, who tells the people in the great city of Nineveh to repent, and the people repent. They change their ways completely, they turn to God, and God decides that the city will be saved. It's a happy ending, but this is just a tiny bit of the story. In fact, all of the interesting parts of the story we completely miss. It's one of the most interesting books in the Bible, the story of Jonah, the prophet Jonah. Really, the, the worst and the best prophet that there ever was. Jonah, of course, if you remember how the story goes, God asks him to go to the people of Nineveh, this great city, three, mile, uh, three days walk across, more than 100,000 people, and he's asked to go tell them that their time is limited, they need to change their ways, they need to turn to God, and what does Jonah do? He says he won't do it. And he spends most of the book actually running, literally running away from God, sometimes sailing away from God. Then there's this incident with the whale that happens. Um, so why won't he do it? Well, the Bible doesn't explain why, but Jonah has his answer. Uh, Jonah will not uh, save the people of Nineveh because he hates the people of Nineveh. Um, whoever said the Bible is not relatable. So he never explains why, the, the book never says why he hates them, he just hates them. And it doesn't matter what God does to get his attention or to convince him to do it, um, he won't do it until finally, the most boring part of the story that we just heard, he gives in. And he goes, he walks into the middle of the city, this is where he becomes the best prophet ever. He says one sentence, in the entire city, every single human being young to the old, they all turn, they change their ways, they change their lives, they turn to God, and God decides that the city will be saved. Um, interestingly, Noah's still not happy, and he still grumbles. Um, this is one of my favorite lines. Again, uh, I, don't, I don't know if it was meant to be funny, but I do think that the writers of the Bible did have a sense of humor. When Jonah says, God, that was just like you. I knew it would be like you to be merciful. Not meant as a compliment. <laughs> the city of Nineveh has changed. And Jonah, I have to believe, was also changed. Though, when you get to the end of the book, you don't know 100% for sure. That is left open. But how could he not have been changed? In spite of himself, he became a vessel for God's goodness and God's incredible compassion. Well, we are only a few weeks into the new year. We're exactly three weeks in. I hope that your New Year's resolutions are thriving. I hope they're still intact. I don't know about you, but for me, I feel like it already has been a long year. And we have a long year ahead, this 2024 will be, for all of us, a long year. But a new year is always an opportunity to turn the clock, to think about making things new, big things and small things, sometimes personal things. I think the new year is also a time to indulge in a little bit of hope. And I have to confess to you, in spite of what seems to be all the evidence, strangely right now, I'm feeling some hope. 
It's true these days, recently we've been seeing like a tsunami of bad news. The headlines, and, and remember many of the headlines are written to get our attention. Um, it has felt overwhelming, but we have to remember we can also look behind the headlines sometimes. We can go a little bit deeper than what first gets us on the surface of things. And that's where we're gonna see the little shoots of new growth, new possibilities, the goodness of people, which still exists. The reality that human beings still show compassion. It can be found if you look for it. And if you look for it in yourself, I think about the uh, famous phrase from uh, Mark Twain, his quote, when uh, his obituary accidentally was prematurely published in the United States and people thought he had died. And he writes from Britain and says, the reports of my demise have been greatly exaggerated. I think that the truth is also, that, that relates also to compassion. The demise of compassion around us, the reports of it have been greatly exaggerated. We shouldn't believe them all. You know, this morning we also do hear about another story of change, which is Jesus when he meets the first disciples. And he walks along the, the shore and they're in the boat and he calls out to Andrew and Simon and he asks them to change their lives, to follow him. Amazingly, without question, immediately, as Mark puts it, they do it. Notice, too, by the way, that when he asks them to take on this new life, it's very clear in the language. He actually doesn't ask them to change who they are, but to do it in a deeper way, a more holy way. He says, you will still be fishermen, but now you'll be fishing for people. I wonder, whenever I read this passage, I think, um, what did they see? What did they hear? What was it that made their eyes and their ears and their hearts open to receive something that others presumably weren't able to hear and see and receive? And we're in the season of epiphany right now, the season of discovery, of beholding things being revealed. This is an epiphany moment. When the two of them decide to take a courageous step change their lives and to step forward away from their safety and their security, all they've known, and even their families. I have a friend who is an Episcopal priest in Southern California, who is a black South African son of a black South African priest also. Um, and I ran into him a few years ago. I think about this phrase that he said often, and some of you may have heard me say it. He said, you know, how's your church going? How are things? He said, things are good, but I also have to say, Everybody wants change, but nobody wants to change. Everybody wants change, but nobody wants to change. Real change is going to require both. The Jesuit priest Gregory Boyle, um, I hope many of you have heard about him also in Southern California. He has become famous with the work that he has done with former and members or people who have been involved in um, gangs being a part of their lives, uh, gangs surrounding them. And he's created an organization that is called Homeboy Industries. 
Homeboy Industries does many things. They provide a lot of services. They, they do tattoo removal. They do life, um, uh, life coaching and training, um, offering skills, offering jobs for people. They've actually created industries that um, have really taken off and, and been thriving. There's a bakery called Homeboy Bakery, a restaurant called Home Girl Cafe. They do um, electronics recycling and things like that. He actually has a humorous little anecdote where he shares that uh, when they were figuring out how to make it all work, they, they tried homeboy plumbing, and it was a total flop because who would have expected? People didn't want gang members all coming into their homes. <laughs> but homeboy industries is a beautiful thing, and um, he's written a book about it called Tattoos on the Heart. And he reveals in the book as much as the serving is advocating for, giving life skills, all of that needs to happen. The thing that's at the core that makes it all possible, the radical changes that happen in people's lives, they're possible because of compassion. That's it. He quotes the Buddhist nun, Pema Chodron, who says, the truest measure of compassion lies not in our service of those on the margins, but in our willingness to see ourselves in kinship with them. The truest measure of compassion lies not in our service of those on the margins, but in our willingness to see ourselves in kinship with them. This power of compassion is exactly the power of Jesus. The power there is in following him, like those first disciples did. The power that can transform us and transform the world. Father Boyle says in his book, quoting Jesus, he said he prayed that we may be one as the Father and he are one. This is the wisdom of learning to be we, incidentally, have been running a class here, a brand new class that we ran in the fall called Being With. It comes from Sam Wells in uh, London at St. Martin in the Fields, uh, a book that he wrote. We're going to run it again in the spring. It's learning about taking the way of Jesus, not just being for, but being with, as he is with us. Father Boyle says, Jesus was not a man for others. He was one with others. There's a world of difference in that. Jesus didn't seek the rights of lepers. He touched the lepers, even before he got around to curing them. He didn't champion the cause of the outcast. He was the outcast. He didn't fight for improved conditions for the prisoners. He simply says, I was in prison. Compassion isn't just about feeling the pain of others. It's about bringing them in toward yourself. And if we love what God loves, then in compassion, margins get erased. And so that we don't misunderstand Father Boyle, he doesn't say we shouldn't advocate for, he doesn't say we shouldn't serve those in need. He just says be grounded in relationship and in compassion. And I almost rewrote a big part of my sermon because I just heard the talk by our friends from CIS, Communities and Schools, um, 
if technology works, the talk got recorded. It just happened in Togo, West Fargo, and I encourage you all to hear it. But the work that is done grounded in relationship, grounded in the power of love, which makes a difference happen, makes lives change. So there is hope for the people served by Homeboy Industries. If there is hope for these fishermen, there's hope for Jonah and all the people of Nineveh. There's hope for all of us, all of us as well. And finally, returning to that story from Mark when the disciples leave their boat, boat when they behold Christ in front of them. The point of that story is not for us to know what happened all those years ago. I, I don't think. That's not the most important part of that story, but to know what is happening at this minute now, which is the reality that Jesus is with us at this moment, standing before us. Scripture teaches this. Epiphany is the season of it being revealed and us beholding it. And this change that we seek, it doesn't happen when Christ shows up because he has already shown up. Change happens when we show up.